Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily, but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. It's always strange for me to discuss another member of the media, particularly someone I've worked with, when they've done or said something controversial in the public eye. If it's something that strikes me as attention-seeking, I'm reluctant to comment and thereby give it more attention. If it's something I consider ill-informed, it'd probably be best served by reaching out to them directly if it's really that important to me that they have a better grasp of whatever they're talking about. That, of course, demands that they are willing or interested in being better informed. The problem is that most instances where I cringe or shake my head thinking, why did he say he or she say that does not come down to a hard and fast factual error it comes down to being or not being exposed to someone or something that i may have but before i get into the main course of this episode which is a look as promised at sun's shooting guard devin booker i want to touch upon a few things stephen a smith of espn recently said about the baseball player shohei atani and Team USA's exhibition loss to Nigeria. The reason I want to is not merely to illustrate how misinformed Stephen A. may be, as to share a revelation I had about Stephen A.'s popularity, which, I'll be honest, has long been a mystery to me. Hearing the opinions Stephen put forth about Otani and his ability to connect with America's baseball-loving audience, as well as Major League Baseball needs him to, 
as well as his mocking of the Nigerian basketball team as unknowns with names we don't even know how to pronounce, made me realize why he draws the ratings that have convinced ESPN to pay him so handsomely and slap his name on everything from SportsCenter to UFC coverage. It's because he thinks and talks about sports the way the majority of American sports fans think and talk about sports. Maybe that's not a revelation to you, but it is to me because as someone in the media, I always felt it was my duty, my job, to get sports fans to see a sport or a game or a player or a team in a different light, to give them insight. I've made a nice career doing it, but I'll be honest, I've never enjoyed the popularity Stephen A. has. We came up at roughly the same time, so I've always kind of wondered what his secret was. Now, part of it is intention. From the time we first met, I knew that Stephen A.'s ambition was to be a star, a celebrity, a household name. That was never mine. I wanted to be an authority, a trusted voice, and a respected storyteller. The celebrity or the notoriety, the attention, all of that came along with it, but it wasn't my aim. About the only common goal I'd say Stephen A. and I had is that we both wanted to entertain as many people as possible. I've tried to do that by giving you things you may not have thought of. Stephen A. has done it by saying what you were already thinking, at least some of you, but maybe were too afraid to say or didn't quite know how to say it, and then doing it in a way that makes you feel good about having thought it in the first place. I'm not going to fault him. It's worked for him. Understand this about professional sports and the media that covers them in this day and age, though. Everything is strategic. Smith's Otani take was particularly interesting to me because I covered Yao Ming and wrote a book with him. He had an interpreter named Colin Pine when he first arrived. Colin was a bespectacled young white man who spoke fluent Mandarin after living and studying in Taiwan for several years. There were almost 400 applicants to serve at Yao's, as Yao's translator, but I'm pretty certain a very low number were male, white, single, and basketball fans. Having, say, a Chinese or Asian interpreter would have made Yao less approachable than Colin to the largely white male media contingent covering the NBA at the time. When we first started working on the book, I met Yao and Colin at Yao's house in Houston in a big cherrywood paneled office. It was the kind of house and the kind of room that people suddenly have money buy. It was like big and kind of ostentatious, but didn't have a whole lot in it. Yao sat behind a desk. Colin sat next to it. I sat in front of it. I'd ask a question to Colin. He translated into Mandarin. Yao would give an answer in Mandarin. Colin would translate it into English. I'd write it down and record it. I couldn't help feel pretty quickly that I was getting Colin's version of what Yao was saying or what he thought he should be saying 
especially because there were times Yao would answer and Colin would seemingly ask Yao a question about his response. After that first session, I decided I had to find a way to talk directly to Yao, no matter how limited his English might be. I found out pretty quickly that his English was not that limited. He had no problem speaking in English with those he trusted. But publicly, he knew that all eyes and ears were on him. He did not want to make a mistake or create a controversy. Expressing himself correctly was important to him. So the reason he used Colin was for two reasons. One, the process of the question being asked to Colin and then translated gave him more time to think of how he wanted to answer. He understood the question when it was first asked in English, but the process of it at being asked of Colin and then Colin translating it in Mandarin gave Yao just a little bit of extra time to think about his response. And two, he wanted to make sure that his limited vocabulary wouldn't lead to misunderstanding. This is what Stephen A. doesn't understand about Otani or Yao or any other athlete whose every word is being parsed, not just by the U.S., but their country of origin as well. In most cases, countries with cultures that are vastly different and therefore where comments that might fly here would not be received the same way back there. It's an immense responsibility to avoid misspeaking and a vital one because their popularity at home is very possibly going to last or be more vital to them than their popularity in the United States. Looking to say something meaningful, but that can be appreciated or respected or understood in two different cultures is a hell of a challenge. But that's a very complex set of circumstances doesn't make for good TV to explain that. Better for podcasts. Bold black and white pronouncements, particularly when they find fault with someone, feeds in our into our collective desire to feel better about ourselves. I'm generally referred to as an NBA analyst, but in my debates with Marcellus Wiley and Emmanuel Acho or Colin Cowherd, I'm often forced to critique more than analyze. What I appreciate about those I work with at SFS1 is that they do their best to come with receipts, to be fair, and no matter how or which side we're on, we try to consider the other side. We do as much or more critiquing of each other's arguments as we do the subject of our debate. Not to come off as harsh, but I've never got the sense that Stephen A is all that worried about wrong stepping. Because... It hasn't been bad for business. The easy out is to say, watch my show tomorrow and I'll explain myself further. That's a win for him and ESPN because it means people have to tune in a second day because of something he said the first. I'd also argue the whole idea that American baseball fans are unable to relate to Otani because he doesn't speak English or uses an interpreter is a view of the world and sports that's at least 30 years old. Watching Otani in the Home Run Derby, I didn't need to hear him speak to get a feel for his good-natured personality, smiling through his exhaustion and trying to meet expectations. The cameras are close enough. There's enough pickup from some of the things that he was saying and the gestures that he was making, his facial expressions. 
It gave me a feel for him. I didn't understand a word he said when he was speaking to his interpreter. But this is the secret to Stephen A's popularity. It's a view of the world that I'd argue is held by the majority of sports fans in this country. If anything has convinced me that a massive number of Americans believe the world was in a better place 30 years ago and pine for a return to that day and age and cheer anyone who champions the ideology of 30 years ago, it's the popularity of our previous president. Stephen A's comments about Team USA getting beat by Nigeria in a pre-Olympic exhibition is right in line with all that. What has happened to our world, to our country, when a little old country like Nigeria can beat the big bad USA at a sport we are supposedly the kings of? A country with players who might play in the NBA but whose names we can't even pronounce? Never mind that a Nigerian born in Greece, Giannis Antetokounmpo, is trying to stake his claim to being the best player in the NBA right now. As if that isn't evidence, front and center, of how much the world has changed, changed since the days of bird magic. I'm guessing Stephen A. has gone to the trouble of learning how to pronounce Giannis's last name. Enough on Stephen A. On to Devin Booker. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Based on the viewer comments to my appearance on TV, discussing the Suns all-star shooting guard, I'm guessing my view is not as controversial as I might have originally thought. Here it is. Booker is a gifted shooter. The efficiency and compactness of his form, his balance, release point, all of it, it's a thing of beauty. As far as shooters, you'd want your kids or players to study or emulate, he's right there with Clay Thompson. He seems fearless, and the toughness he displayed playing with a broken nose after colliding with Patrick Beverly early in the conference finals is admirable. He's only 24, so my guess is he's going to make a pretty hard charge at some scoring records, and I would not be surprised if he won a scoring title or two. But can we slow our roll on he's already a superstar, or even that he's a superstar in the making? Or especially the comparisons to the former number 24 for the Los Angeles Lakers. There are miles between Kobe Bryant telling Devin Booker to go be legendary, touting the kid's talent, Booker getting a tattoo of Kobe's words on his arm, and Booker actually becoming anything remotely close to Kobe. He's not. There was no comparison between him and Kobe at 19, and there's no comparison between him and Kobe now at 24. I don't say that to downgrade the kid. I do it so that he's not set up to be some massive disappointment. He has grown massively playing alongside Chris Paul and under Monty Williams. For the first time in his career, he's being held accountable for every aspect of the game, and he's responding to it in a positive way. 
The Suns did him no favors by surrounding him with a constantly churned roster and a parade of first-time head coaches his first four years in the league. I don't know if he would be a better defender now if it had been different, but years went by when he was not held accountable for giving an honest effort on defense or making smart decisions on offense, and there were already noises being made about him being this up-and-coming superstar. He had the candy store to himself and an open tab. That's not how you hone any young talent into a champion. Now, the one thing that I always found interesting is I did a story for Bleacher Report uh, a number of years ago, uh, and the premise was going around and asking players, if you went to the park, if you went to play in the park, who would you pick to go with you, knowing that you weren't going to have referees, so you had to, had, had to have a game that stood up in the park, and if something jumped off, if hands were going to be thrown, who would you be confident would be there and have your back? Julius Randle was one name that came up pretty often, Draymond Green another, and Devin Booker. And at that time, as I said, this was two, three years ago, that was the name that always sort of surprised me. I guess largely because he didn't show a whole lot of defensive physical toughness. But guys around the league were convinced that he was a guy that would be fearless in the park in both ways. In any case, this year has been quite the come up for him. Having Chris Paul by his side and no nonsense vets like Jay Crowder and Dario Saric. It reminds me of Carmelo Anthony getting to play with Chauncey Billups and Kenyon Martin in Denver. Or on the national teams with Kobe and Jay Kidd. It took the things off of Carmelo's plate and now Booker's that they weren't equipped to handle. Leadership, holding guys accountable by action and word, orchestrating for others, spearheading the defense, and allowed them to do what they do best, which is primarily shoot and score. That part of Booker's game, as gifted and refined as his shooting stroke may be, still needs some work too. I wouldn't put him in the Carmelo Anthony camp. I'd stop short of calling him a professional scorer at this stage because that would mean he's going to get his points by any means necessary. If his jumper is not on, it means he's going to draw contact and get to the free throw line. If he needs to work from the mid post, he's going to have the strength to fight for that spot and back a defender down or get that Kobe spin to the baseline fade. He doesn't have that. He has more field goal attempts than anyone in these playoffs, and yet he is fourth in free throw attempts and 14th in scoring. There's also the emotion with which he plays. It's Russell Westbrook-esque, and that's not a trait I'd wish on anyone. Playing with passion to win is both desirable and commendable. But playing as if you have something personal to prove to the other team because they or the referees have disrespected you is not healthy or productive. Not at the pro level. Not when you're a catalyst for your team. Because now everyone on your team has to calibrate what they're doing to what you're trying to prove or to whom. Oh, you don't think I can score on you? You don't think I can hit this jumper? You think you can stop me? While a player is busy trying to prove all that, an easy bucket by someone else is being missed. Energy better spent on defense 
or later in the game is being burned to embarrass someone. That's Rucker Park energy. And for what? It's still only one bucket. And a pro is not going to be intimidated by you hitting a couple of shots on him. Yeah, it makes for a good video on YouTube. And yeah, you're probably going to get a lot of likes and a lot of com comments by the young fellas who eat up stuff like that. But for pros, wasted energy. Especially if it's distracting you from actually winning the game. Take a close look at how Booker expresses himself when he's talking trash and trying to light someone up or he has it going. When he feels he needs to prove something. It's angry. It's barking across the floor, spittle flying. And now think about how Michael did it. Or Kobe. Or KD. Or even LeBron. Or Steph. You might get a sneer or a dismissive look. No crazy emotion, no fury, because it serves no purpose. And I put Booker's name, I make those comparisons as a compliment to Booker's capabilities as a scorer. He should be a professional scorer. He has that in his bag. Well, he doesn't have it in his bag. I think he has the capability of putting it in his bag. It's just not there yet. This might sound strange to some, but the best thing that could happen to Booker is if he doesn't win a title this year. If his shooting woes in this series, and as of now he's shooting 38% through the first three games of the series, end up costing him a ring. Because I can't think of any greater motivator to expand his game than to be on the doorstep and be denied. After all, look what it did for LeBron in Miami. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. As you have been, please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, I'm planning to delve into why former NBA players now in the media seem so reluctant to acknowledge or champion what Giannis Antetokounmpo is doing in these finals. The way that I've seen them acknowledge and champion the success of other up-and-coming stars. I think there are some ready answers available. We'll get to them in the next episode. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.